Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Caught up with Peter Giannoulis today. He's the CEO of Allegiant Gold. Some nice drill results recently. We talked through their business model and found out three of the 10 projects. They've got some income from that. So non-dilutory for shareholders. And we look about look at what they're focusing on. Eastside is their flagship project. What more can we expect to see from that this year? And if you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversation, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com. Peter, how are you, sir? Hi, Matt. How are you? Really good. I haven't seen you for a year. What have you been doing? Yeah, it's, I'm doing amazing. We've uh, been very, very busy uh, at Allegiant. I mean, clearly the pandemic has slowed a lot of companies. Fortunately, from our perspective, uh, uh, you know, we've been open for business and we've actually had one of our busiest years in terms of drilling over the, the past 12 months. So things are they're going well. Assays are coming out. And uh, and things are just going as as we predicted, which is uh, just executing our business plan, and we've stuck to our business plan throughout the pandemic. So we're we're pretty happy how things are 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 going with us. Okay, well, okay, given this year, I'm going to run through some of those uh, headline topics uh, in a in a second. But how's Miami? Yeah. Uh, Miami's great. I'm between Miami and Reno, where is our uh, you know basically where we're headquartered. Um, but uh, Miami was just more of a something I moved from New York 18 years ago and. And uh, it has really been an amazing place to spend the pandemic, not not because of only the weather, but, but the fact that Florida has taken a different approach to dealing with the pandemic, and I think with some very good results. So uh, it's uh, it's a great place. It's been a great place for a year, and, and a lot of people are moving here, that's for sure, Europeans as well as people from the New York area. Wowzers. So it has prices through the roof. I've missed the boat, haven't I? Uh, uh, it's insane. I, uh, I, I compare housing prices with my friends who live in Greenwich, Connecticut, and other places. And uh, you know, some certain parts of Miami um, are are far more uh, expensive on a per meter basis for land than than many places in in the Northeast. It's it's crazy. They were already expensive, Peter. My, yeah, my <laughs> my memory of Miami. <laughs> hey, Willie, um, good to have you back. Enjoyed the last time we spoke, but I think given it's a while, we have to probably go through a few things again. But we're going to speed through it. But first of all, give people who haven't heard the story before just that one minute overview, and I'll pick it up from there with some questions. All right. Well, thank you. Well, Allegiant, um, simply put, is a mid-stage gold exploration company based in Reno, Nevada, um, expanding and developing its flagship. Re, a project called Eastside with uh, with an inferred resource of 1 million ounces of gold and 8 million ounces of silver, approximately 30 kilometers from the town of Tonopah, Nevada. Uh, in addition, Allegiant owns nine other projects in Nevada, New Mexico, and Arizona, of which three are currently farmed out, uh, which generates valuable cash and share positions in other companies. Um, I think there are five main characteristics that taken together separate Allegiant from any other gold exploration company in the world today. First is a large resource that uh, has the potential to grow significantly. Second is a strong technical team led by Andy Wallace, who is one of the preeminent geologists in the history of Nevada, who have found and put into production more than five major mining gold mining assets. And three is jurisdiction. Nevada continues to be ranked as one of the top jurisdictions in the world. It's very easy to do business, relatively inexpensive to drill. Uh, The infrastructure is just amazing. 
And then fourth is cash flow, uh, which generally separates us from many other junior explorations. Because of our model of focusing on one project and then farming out our other projects, we're able to generate cash, which basically pays for all of our overhead. And then fifth is skin in the game. I don't know, and I may be mistaken, but I don't know of any other company uh, in the junior exploration gold sector that um, in which management and insiders have purchased in the open market as many shares as the insiders at Allegiant. Uh, since September 2019, uh, the, the combined entity has purchased over 16 or 17% of the shares outstanding in the open market. So I, you know, those five characteristics uh, uh, taken together really separates us from, from the crowd. That's basically a one-minute introduction to Allegiant. Yeah, good, good summary. Actually, use, use those as talking points. Um, okay, we're at 37 million market cap uh, today. So it hasn't been exponential. It's kind of funny year for you guys. Are really volatile in terms of the the, the share price. Um, partly yeah. because like obviously gold, gold did its thing um, last year and then kind of dropped off towards the end of last year. But I, I want to focus. Do you know what would be brilliant? Remind people of your background. I think that would be a good starting point. And we'll get into the talking points from there. Sure. Uh, I started my background at Solomon Brothers in the mid-90s um, in one of their hedge fund groups and helped grow that into a, a multi-billion dollar business where we later spun out after a few mergers and acquisitions to a company called Citibank. And we, we spun out of that in 2004. I also started my own fund, which was a private equity hedge fund in 2005 that focused primarily in the natural resource sector. I did that for about 12 years. I've sat on the board and uh, helped other mining companies get started as well as helped them through some M&A activity. Um, but I have been in the mining and the resource sector for about 23 years since 1997, so 24 years now. Um, and I uh, was on the board of Allegiant and have been on since 2009, uh, so about 12 years now. And uh, I took uh, the CEO role of Allegiant back in September 2019, um, and uh, and have been running it ever since. So that's a remind very us why you background. stepped in. Remind us why you stepped in. Well, I mean, I was a I was a shareholder. I've been on the board. I understood the company very well. I was very much involved in. Um, in the acquisition of, of most of the projects that we had over the past 12, 13 years. Um, and there was just really a void in, in, in that role. Allegiant had spun out of Citigroup, of, of, I'm sorry, of Columbus Gold um, and creating two different companies, one in French Guiana and one in Nevada. Um, and, you know, I was, uh, uh, um, I was really the, the, the natural choice to take the CEO role over to advance the company because of my knowledge of the company and my past background. Okay, it wasn't really moving before you stepped in, right? I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, I think I think that's fair to say. I right. mean, but but there were other reasons. But yeah, I mean, the the, the company really was kind of um, really without a direction because it had just spun out of Columbus Gold. There was you know two competing F interests, one in French Guiana, which was a very large, wonderful asset. It just happens to be in French Guiana, and then the other projects were in Nevada and. And uh, it was uh, uh, it was just a natural role for me to take. Right. Okay. So since then, September two thousand and nineteen, um, there's been some activity. But do you, do you think? Because I'm looking I'm looking at the last last year. There was like I say, peaking in places, but pretty flat. People, I don't know quite sure what people's expectations were, or 
Is it the fact that um, you don't talk to the market very much? I mean, what? Why are you taking this kind of very cautious approach to the, the marketing yourselves? Because you're doing some drilling, seeing some nice numbers, press releases look okay, but you you're kind of quiet. Well, I, I think it has to do with the way we approach it. We tend to be very conservative um, uh, in in the way we approach everything, and you know we don't necessarily want to be overtly promotional. We've tried that. It's just not part of our, of our makeup as, as individuals. And, you know, we, we take a cautious approach. We're very disciplined in, in, in executing our business plan. And, you know, we're, we're just not one of those groups that are going to put out a press release that says, you know, the wind shifted from 20 kilometers to 15 kilometers to the West. I mean, and I'm trying to make light of it, but the reality is there's a lot of that going on I think it's hurt the industry as a whole just because people come out at, you know, we contracted a drill rig. Well, why is that, why is that, you know, newsworthy because we contracted a rig or we hired, you know, X company to do geophysical work. And we've tried that. It just, it's just, we just don't like that. And we will come out with news um, um, when we think it's something that warrants it. And, you know, people may or may not like it, but I look, I, I think that patients, um, has paid off. We've been very disciplined in how we've executed our business plan. We continue to execute. And, um, you know, investors that take a long-term perspective as opposed to, are you getting news out, will be well rewarded by investing in Allegiant. I, I know very few companies that have um, been able to advance their project and getting some of the results we're getting. It just, it's going to be on the timetable of an exploration timetable. And, um, you know, so to answer your question, we're just not a it's not in our, our our knitting to be a promotional, overtly promotional. So you're fun, you run a fund, you're a banker background. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the 2020 market, and you saw lots of companies doing the opposite of what you did. I mean, their valuations went sky high. I mean, they yeah. trebled, quadrupled, even more in, in a number of cases. Um, how can you argue that yours is the right method and theirs was wrong in that case? Well, I'm not arguing whether theirs is right or ours is wrong. I'm just arguing what our knitting is and you know whether it's good or bad. That's for the market to decide. Clearly, we believe on a relative basis where I can't argue on the absolute side, but on the relative basis, we're grossly undervalued. But um, and and maybe their models work better. And I can point to a few companies which I will not mention, but that that have done an amazing job promoting it, and I take my hat off to them. But I can't paint stripes on myself and call myself a zebra when I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a horse or some other type of animal. It's just who we are. We've tried it, Matt. Last year, we tried to promote and it, it just doesn't feel right for us. We're going to get the news out. We'll host the webinars. We'll promote the way we feel comfortable. And um, you know, coming on, on, on a great show like yourself who asks difficult questions, we try not to avoid that. We actually you know, try to seek out individuals that ask those difficult questions, because I believe that's the only way that a company can really stand out. The easy softball questions really doesn't separate anyone. I'd agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about the model I explained to people. You talked about having you know nine assets, right? Three of which yeah. are farmed out. This is the kind of interesting bit. This is you know a bit of a differentiator for you guys. So talk about the three farm outs. What does that give you in terms of cash flow, et cetera? Yeah, so we have 10 projects. Not one of them is our flagship project. That that receives 100% of our resources, okay? The, the have three other projects, which is four metals, which is farmed out to Barksdale. 
We have Mogollon, a wonderful silver project, high grade, which is farmed out to Suma Silver. Um, and then the third one is Bolo, which is farmed out to New Plaster Dome. Those combined companies produce between or generate with that combined around a million US dollars in cash to our, uh, to our treasury every year. Um, that more than covers all land holding costs in our GNA. Uh, I wouldn't say more than, but it, it sufficiently covers um, our, our, our burn rate. Anything above that um, that we raise, if we were to raise any capital, would go straight to the to to drilling. Um, and you know, the next logical question is, well, how much do you have in your treasury? We have a, a little bit over a million dollars in treasury, but we we are constantly getting payments, and we'll be getting a, a series of payments in August and September. We feel very comfortable over the next two years that we're well funded to be able to to you know, get through any difficult times. And it's one of the main advantages of Allegiant. We haven't had to blow out our share structure like many companies. I mean, we can, we've looked at other companies when we started and we both had 50, 60 million shares outstanding. And there's a few companies that are in that universe that now have 150 million or 200 million shares. I'm not trying to be critical. It's just the approach that we've taken where we have 78 million shares outstanding. We're extremely cautious in how we um, issue shares. Now, we are in the business of, of exploring, and that requires capital. Um, we just are we'll, won't raise money unless it's accretive to our investors. So um, we take a more disciplined approach on how we raise capital for exploration. Okay, so with, with that million, circa million bucks coming into you, and mm-hmm. I get the the timelines of August, September is important. So they, they come, are they annual payments, quarterly payments? Has, has and, and well, they're, they're annual payments. They're just not on a, they're not on the same time basis, right? It depends when we had signed that form out. So some of them are, I believe in April and some of them are in August and one of them is in December. Got it. Okay, fine. So you reckon for the next two years, if you carry on as you currently plan to, you're kind of good. You're good on the GNA. You can pay your bills, but it's not. Doesn't sound like very. I get. I get the conservative nature in terms of going and talking to the marketplace, but it doesn't sound very aggressive yeah. in terms of the drill program. So, what what is the drill program? So we we had announced a fifteen thousand meter drill program. We've we've completed ten thousand of that. My guess is we're going to add to that uh, significantly um, over the next twelve months. Uh, Allegiant will most likely see over thirty thousand meters of drilling. Um, that is by ourselves and our partners in our farm out. So I know the market wants to hear news flow and, you know, I'm, I'm, whether I agree or disagree with that, that philosophy, we're going to have a lot of news flow because we're going to be drilling and our partners at Mogollon, which is uh, Suma Silver, and then New Placer Dome at Bolo will be drilling significantly. So um, we look forward to the next 12 months as one of the most busy periods in our history as a company with significant amount of drilling. How do we drill our own projects? Well, after the, the most recent drill results, it's clearly, um, you know, we really need to follow up on many of these drill intercepts, and which were the best in the history that we've ever drilled and probably some of the best in Nevada over the last 20 years, at least a few, one of the intercepts. Um, it, it really behooves us to go and follow that up by by drilling. Now, um, you know, it's 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 not clear whether we can fund that with our current treasury and the current inflows, but we're going to make that judgment as as uh, as the markets dictate. And you know, if we have to raise money, we'll do that. Um, but we're 
we have the clear advantage of being patient to find the right moment to do that. Um, and, you know, historically we've done it. Like last year we raised $3 million in July, um, you know, and, and we reused all that money to drill. It wasn't that we raised $3 million and used 30%. 100% of that money went into the ground. Okay, so you've seen a spike in, in the share price recently off the back of you know, good, good announcements. You say you have got the patience. You, you can move at your own speed. You've made a few quid. You're a big shareholder, and that's the right strategy for you. But if you've got retail guys in here sitting in your stock, you're saying to them, hey, this is a get-rich-slow scheme. Bear with us. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll eventually get there. Maybe they're going to be distracted by some of these other kind of get-rich-quick schemes. You know, so do you have a responsibility well, to I mean, shareholders to, you know, maybe be a little bit more aggressive? Well, I, 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 I don't agree with the premise. So, I mean, we're not necessarily trying to track the get-rich-quick schemes of investing. You know, we are a, we're an exploration company. We're not a, a we're not a pump and dump type of operation. I'm sorry to use that word. I mean, we're really just. If, if you want to invest in exploration, it is a moderately long-term investment um, thesis. We believe that you know investing with us over a three to five year period, you're going to do exceptionally well. And you know we also believe there are plenty of catalysts, which I've alluded to with Mogoyon, with Bolo, and with Eastside. So you know, irrespective of whether we raise money or not raise money. There's going to be a significant amount of news flow coming out, um, primarily through our partners and through ourselves. So, um, I, I, I would, I, you know, probably would would characterize it as we have plenty of news flow, whether we raise money or not. It's kind of irrespective of whether we raise money, there will be a lot of news flow. Are you viewing it as the way that you're doing it? Are you viewing that as a way to? Guarantee longevity. So if I, I always say to people, nineteen out of twenty of these explorers will not ever make it in the current form. Yeah. They'll have raised too much money, diluted, uh, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, is, is that is that is that what's driving this method, this methodology that you're employing? No, uh, what's driving it is that this is this is an exploration company. It takes time. You have to drill. You have to analyze those results. Then you have to go on the back of those results and design a program with which you probably we have a master program at Eastside. I can tell you what we're going to do for three years, but on the on on as you receive results and assays, then you you adjust that 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 program and and adjust it for the next phase within that three year program. We take it in in one year segments, but we we build out a three year rolling plan. So um, I don't. It's not a function of what the market wants to hear or anything. It's, I mean, I wish I could rush it. And I wish I could get assays faster. I wish we could interpret them faster, but that's just not in the cards. And we're going to do things um, irrespective of what an investor wants us to do. Sure, we, we're, we're, I think we're extremely um, respectful to investors and we're trying to move forward as quickly as we can, but this is exploration. Anyone who thinks they can do it on a reduced timetable is, you know, I, I'm not sure. Well, they may be a lot smarter than we are. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Eastside. It's your flagship project. You talked about being able to look yeah. at three years of what you want to do. What you can't tell me necessarily is if that's going to be three years where you are going to try and condense it and how much money you are going to throw yeah. out. So what, what can you tell me today? Well, today we, we have a uh, high level of certainty that 
Eastside is going to grow significantly. Um, it's not guaranteed, but we believe that we could double. We believe we have a, a, a relatively clear path to double those at, double the resources at Eastside. What we don't know is Eastside two million or is it five million ounces uh, or, or, or larger? And, and clearly, it's open across every direction that we've been drilling. So on the west, north, south, east, at depth. And then that doesn't include, I mean, well, so part of the site is a north zone, which is the where the pit zone is, but we've also drilled in December, um, the castle zone, which is the south part of the east side district. Now, east side is a very large project. It's almost a district size project. So on the south side, we drilled uh, 49 holes, shallow, uh, the mineralization it was low grade, but it was also at surface. So uh, you know, relatively low strip ratios. And this is something we're evaluating uh, on potentially that being a starter pit area. It's not connected to the original pit zone, but it would make a wonderful operation. It's, the infrastructure is flawless. There's a highway that's right there. And there's, uh, you know, there was a previous pit on the on the boss part of the castle zone. So Eastside is growing. It's going to, it's going to grow very large. And um, our job is to ensure that we, 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 we prove that up and I think that's what we're doing. And I, I don't, I wouldn't do anything different than we've done in the last 12 months. I mean, the market may want us to, you know, talk about how we cut haircuts or something, but I mean, we really are, we're spending money, we're drilling, we're doing exactly what we said we're going to do. Okay. So you, you've also, so you've got the castle zone off the side, but yeah. East side is, well, it's probably all you've got money for and it is the focus and you are going to move that one forward. When you see, see when you sort of see what's happening at um, at uh, Castle Zone, etc., does it not make you curious about what else you could be doing with the rest of the assets in the in the portfolio, or are you just happy to sit and bank those until you've kind of created the value of East Side? I mean, what what are the kind of debates that you're having? Well, I, I think that our debate is a little bit different than anyone else that would have this portfolio. I mean, if if East Side didn't have a resource, then it would be nice to spread out your eggs. You know, spread out your your bets across different portfolios, but it would be, in my opinion, would be ludicrous for us to take money away from Eastside and put it at Overland Pass or Browns Canyon. I mean, why would we diversify when we already have what we believe is a tiger by the tail? And it would be really an inefficient use of capital. The best use of capital is just continue to grow Eastside. You know, why am I going to try to explore and trying to find another resource which? You know, if we were lucky to get another resource at another of our projects, would only make the problem worse because now how do I allocate future capital, right? So, um, I think that our model would be, you know, in a and we are we receive offers for our, our other six projects that are not farmed out all the time. It's just we're not going to farm out our project to a you know fly by night operation that just started and raised two million dollars to do that because. You know, part of what we receive is shares in a company, and we have been very fortunate that the companies that we have with whom we've associated are absolutely great companies who have done a great job of advancing their companies. And it's rare in this industry where you farm out, get shares, and those shares actually appreciate in value. Well, that has been the case for us. And uh, I think that's a testament to how we've selected our partners you know, it may take us a little bit longer to farm out these projects, but we're not just going to farm it out to someone else who wants to to flip them or, or promote the story. 
We want someone who actually does work on the projects because that means no value to us if they just promote the story. Why are you being shorted? I don't, I don't know. I don't focus on that. I don't really, doesn't, doesn't, it, it's, it's a good thing. They're going to have to buy back the shares at some point in time. I don't, it doesn't affect me. Okay. Let them short it. <laughs> good luck. Said the finance guy. I love it. Um, okay. Well, let, let's go, let's come back and talk about some of the, the, the spar mats, okay? Because you've given us. Oh, well, may, may, may I interrupt? I, sure. I, I believe that some of the shorting will, will, will even out. I think that, um, I believe that most of the shorting is just people shorting the stock to exercise the warrants that we have outstanding, which expire very, very soon. So that's my my guess. I don't know for uh, with certainty, but I, I would presume, given that we have been getting some warrant exercise forms, my guess is that um, about half of those warrants are in Canadians' hands and half of them are in Americans' hands. Americans won't short to exercise the warrants, but Canadians do. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. That's an yeah, well, interesting psychology there. Um, well, more than a psychology, I think it's just, a, I, I don't believe Americans can essentially short Canadian stocks to exercise the warrants. I think there's a there's a rule against it in the US. I don't think that rule exists. I know it doesn't exist in Canada. Yeah, we, we, we've talked about naked shorting in, in with Canadian stocks mm-hmm. versus US. Topic for another day. Hey, um, let, let's, let's talk about the, um, the, the, the format, uh, please, because I, it's giving you income. Can yeah. you, do you, have you got a, an idea of how much money, how many meters are being drilled on, on each of those by your partners? Yeah, I do. So in, in, we'll start from our project on the border between New Mexico and Arizona called Mogollon. It's an epithermal silver deposit, very high grade wonderful project um, and we farmed it out to Suma Silver who is absolutely one of the premier silver companies out there uh, run by a guy named uh, Galen McNamara who I, I, I really think very highly of. I, I've gotten to know him very well over the past 14 months. Um, I, it's rare to find someone in that in this industry who I who really is of that caliber and I think they're very, they've done an amazing job. To answer your question, I believe they're going to drill between uh, five and 10,000 meters over the next 12 months. They're, they had applied for their permit, um, uh, and I believe that's forthcoming in the next uh, month or two. Um, I, I believe probably sooner, but let's say within the next two months. Then Bolo, uh, which is managed by New Placer Dome, which we have farmed out to, they have uh, uh, they're working on earning into 50% of the project. It's still 100% owned by us. They have to spend 1.5 million Canadian dollars this year to uh, to comply with the farm out agreement. That probably translates to six to 8,000 meters of drilling, potentially more, uh, depending on whether they'll do core or just RC drilling. And then our cell, well, the, those are the two. The, the, the third one is called Four Metals, owned by Barksdale, another very well-run company we like. Um, but that's they don't have plans to drill that. It's part of a land package that they've acquired and, and are putting together a district within, uh, within Arizona for base metal plays. Right. Okay. Interesting. So with, with, with Bolo, I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot of money. Um, I mean, what else have they got on? I mean, what's your expectation of, for both Summer Silva and, and Bolo to actually progress with that format? Because obviously the, the, these are options. They come and they go, depending on the size of the company you know, and what their core focus is. 
things change, right? So do you have regular conversations, updates with these guys? All, all the time and have very good relationships with all of our farm out partners. I make it a, a point to uh, have these conversations, to understand what's going on, try to help them think through an issue. Uh, you know, I have a long history with many of these projects. I may be able to provide some insight. Um, in the case of, of Mogollon with Suma Silver, uh, you know, I, I think we've been instrumental in helping them understand it. Um, it's a project we've owned for 15, 20 years. And, uh, you know, we did work on it as we farmed it out to a company called, uh, we sold it actually to a company called Santa Fe Gold uh, in 2011. It was, uh, Santa Fe had ran into a lot of problems and gave back that project after paying us significant amount of money, I, millions of dollars. And then we farmed it out um, to, uh, to New Placer Dome as well in 2018. That was returned to us as they, they had purchased Kinsley Mountain. And it wasn't really their focus. Silver wasn't going to be their focus. And it was a very, very opportune. It was very fortunate for us. It worked out very, very well. And we farmed it out to Suma Silver. And I think Suma Silver is a, it, it, well, they are a, a silver-focused company. They're well-funded. Um, and, um, you know, I would think this is just the beginning of their drilling. And they're just starting their, their farm-out agreement with us. Bolo um, is now in the third year of the farm out agreement. So things are escalating in terms of their the drill program. And, and, you know, they've complied with everything and they've drilled what they said they're going to drill. So I, I don't know beyond that, um, beyond this year, what plans with new plaster dome. And I'm taking it really year by year. And, and you know, this year they, they need to spend a million and a half to, to, uh, to, earn, to continue to earn into the, the agreement. Well, like you say, it comes down to like picking the right partners who are going to yeah. want to have access to capital and show intent and actually do something. So just coming back to some of the other assets, you, you said oh, we're not going to farm, this, farm out to like a, you know, a $2 million company with no cash, et cetera. I totally understand that. But are you having those sorts of conversations with meaningful groups on any of your assets? Like, do any of your assets actually have value or is it just a, is a nice thing to say, hey, we've got nine, 10 assets over here. It sounds good, but what's the reality with each of them? Well, we, we wouldn't hold them if we didn't think they had any prospect. We, we started at 26 projects and we whittled it down to 10. So, I mean, our philosophy is why own it to pay land holding costs and claim fees and every other fee? It's just not worth it. So and if we believe that it's not perspective, we will get rid of it. it we're just not holding it to hold it. Do we believe our, some of our other projects are very perspective? Yeah, we rank our projects every year um, based on what we think is from a perspectivity perspective. I mean, Goldfield West is one of our best projects that we own, period. And that is you know, right across from Gemsfield, which is being a mine being built literally a kilometer away from us in uh in um, uh, right next to the Goldfield District, and you know about 50 kilometers south of Tonopah, 40 uh, actually 50 kilometers south of our Eastside project, maybe 30 kilometers south of Tonopah. So uh, we have great projects. You know, Browns Canyon is a great project. Overland Pass is right next to Bald Mountain. When I say right next, I don't mean 10 kilometers. I mean like they share a fence. And so th there's some great projects. It just doesn't. As a as a focus company, we're at this stage we're not uh, we're not allocating any cash. Are we getting? I think the first part of the question: Are we getting interest all the time um, from companies that are probably doesn't don't meet our criteria, and a few companies that absolutely would meet our criteria, but maybe the offer is just not what we're looking 
for in terms of uh, of compensation, and uh, we'll we'll address that. Uh, although gold is continuing to do well, I will say that the junior exploration market, by any stretch of the imagination, is not in a raging bull market. And no one would think that gold at 1950 or 1900 or anything over 1700, we would see the junior mining market, you know, mired in in a in a you know not in a great market. So, but you know, once again, these are not they're not our focus. We have um, they're not excessively high holding costs, and we're willing to to be patient and write it out until we get the offer that we believe will compensate us for. And, and, and also the partner we're looking for. Okay. Do you want to go through your intermediate goals and objectives? I've got four in front of me. Grow East Side into a yeah. multi-million ounce gold oxide deposit. You're going to do three things. Mm-hmm. Path to 2 million ounces, scoping studies, PEA, and 20,000 meters additional drilling by 2022. So how are we doing? Uh, we're doing amazing. I think that we're on path for all of those things. So I know, feel extremely comfortable that those goals will be achieved without, well, I'll never say without a doubt, but I think we're well on our way to achieving those things. Now, the scoping study, which we have, or PEA, which we've been contemplating, would be on the castle area, not on the original pit. So the castle area is very well understood. There's been hundreds of holes drilled there historically, as well as 49 by ourselves. So there is a, a very well understood deposit there, and we, we, we believe it can grow significantly. That will require some infill drilling and some expansion drilling. Where, but we know that there is a limit somewhere whether the castle is going to be, and these are global resources, well, it's 500,000 or a million ounces. Well, just in that part of the of, of east side, um, which is not part of our current 43-101, well, we'll address that soon. On the original pit zone, for us to move to a PEA or scoping study would be, in my opinion, um, silly because we still haven't found the limits of the deposit. And just that that's where the 1 million ounce of gold and 8 million ounce of silver are, are contained right now in pit. Um, you know, that can grow significantly and it would be, I think, too preliminary um, to, to move to a, a scoping study or any PEA. We need to drill more there and find the limits of the deposit. Okay. Number two, resource estimate Ebola, additional 10,000 meters by 2022. Initial resource yeah. estimate. You just said 1.5 million gets you six to eight thousand meters. Is that? Confident? Yeah, I think that's right. Depend. Yeah, I, I think it depends on whether it's a core or RC. Core is a little more expensive, but I mean, we are. We don't control whether New Plaster Dome is going to move to a resource estimate. Um, I think that this after this next round of drilling, I think that they could conceivably move to a a resource estimate at Bolo, and I think confidently would have some. You know, I don't know what the resources would be, but they, we made the discovery in 2016. They've followed up on that discovery, and um, you know, there's definitely a resource there. I don't know what the size is going to be, but there clearly is a, a resource there. But Bola could could one, once again could also grow fairly large. Okay, you could, yeah, like you say, you don't you don't control their plans. Um, you, you can't make them do it, so you'd like them yeah. to, but. That's a sit back and wait and see, not, not, not in control of that. Um, format two additional projects, that's on top of the three you've currently got. Uh, yes. By 2021. But when you say by 21, I'm assuming you mean by end of in all of yeah, these cases. Yeah, by end of. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, that's going to be um, <laughs> contingent on the market as a whole, right? So if you ask me today, do I feel com- confident that we're going to farm out two in the next six months or seven months? 
I don't know. I mean, look, in 2020, we farmed out two within a four-week period of time. So uh, if the market gets hot and and companies come knocking on our door, then it could easily happen. And it could happen over a very short period of time. Today, um, I have no no I have no way of gauging whether we'll be able to achieve that by in the next seven months. It could happen, but okay. it's but you'd like really it to, a function of thing. You'd like to see because it could bring a little bit more cash in in terms of again GNA drill uh, program. Oh, I'd like guys, to farm right? out. That's yeah. I'd like to farm out six other projects, right? Because you know we want that projects to be worked on. We want to receive cash, and we you know for for us it's in the best interest of our <coughs> excuse me our shareholders to get those projects worked on. But um, we also realize that bringing in um, a company, the wrong partner is is also could be more destructive than than not doing anything. Okay. The reason, reason I ask is you, you kind of lay these things out there. And the, the reality is like some of these things you're in control of, some of the things are market dependent, some of the things which obviously affects ability to talk to partners, which affects the ability to, as you say, uh, providing, provide for the cash, et cetera. And, and I, okay. So the, the last one is list on NYSE, Amex or NASDAQ. And you've written two reasons here. Mm-hmm. One is contingent ISIS, rec contingent on reaching a hundred million market cap, be 37 million today. Um, yeah. You're going to need to meet listing requirements, as as you say. So you can sort, you can you can do something to control that. But again, gold's going to have to pop up more than it than it has been, and you're going to have to do you're going to have some some nice drill results here. So again, it's it's not it's sort of in your control, but not. Is is that right? Yeah, but I'm also a big believer. You put out what your goals and your objectives are, and you you try to achieve that. Some of them you will try to. I'm a firm believer that investors need to know. What are the objectives of a company? I mean, and and it doesn't mean you have to achieve those, but you need to know where your your north star is, and we understand where we want to head. And in getting to a NYC Amex listing, um, seems a little far today. And but you know we have an objective, and we have set our goals, and um, some of that we can control, some of that we can't control. And there's many paths to get there. It's not just growing your market cap. I believe there's consolidation in this industry that needs to occur. Um, I, I, I think that Allegiant will be, uh, this is my guess, I, I'm, not, I'm not alluding to anything, but I believe Allegiant will be at the center of that for all consolidation within the Nevada side of the business, or at least the Southwest of the United States. There is very few companies that I can point to that have this portfolio and the resources and, and and the wherewithal that we have. And, you know, if I were looking back and I, I was a fund manager again, and as opposed to running a mining company, I would start with a legion as my consolidation vehicle and then, then start pulling in assets across that or not even assets, but other different types of resources that associated with it. So there are different paths to getting to an NYC Amex. I think consolidation is one of them. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer. Um, and we have been, I would say, proactive in getting companies to start thinking about potentially emerging um, in the sector. They're just, there's too many exploration companies as a whole. Um, but with that also, Matt, there's not a lot of great candidates to, to that we would like to to merge with. We're not going to merge because we want to get bigger. It has, there has to be some type of some other benefit to us, whether that's, you know, another great asset 
uh, or just a great team that we want to put together. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the M and A side of things. I think it does. It does need some consolidation. I think some a lot of companies overvalued out there. Every CEO, CEO will tell me they're undervalued, but there's a lot of overvalued assets out there. But on a fundamentals basis, yeah. you're, I agree. So you're a fun guy. Are you an M and A guy? Have you got the energy to do some of this consolidation? I know you're saying I can't find anything at the moment, and that, and, and that, you know I don't know how far and wide you've been looking, but. Are you the guy to take this forward and use your vehicle as a consolidation vehicle, or are you going to sit back and let someone else do that for you? Well, I, I, there's, we're not a one-man show. If you look at our board, I mean, our, it's it's laughable because our board would could be the board of uh, of Kinros or some other big company, right? There, this is a preeminent board. Um, almost embarrassing that they're on the board of a forty million dollar company. I mean, I, I, I say that in gist, right? There, you have. You know, Gordon Bogdan, who was a, a premier banker at, at National uh, National City, so at, and also a geophysicist, someone who, who I work very closely with on a daily basis or at least a weekly basis on the board, he is targeted with the M&A opportunities. I don't do the M&A day-to-day. I let Gord run that show and then come back and report to me and we have a conversation. We have a, a call in four hours. Um, to you know, to go through our our, our weekly list, um, and then Sean Nichols as well is involved in that. He's part of that committee that looks at M and A. He has a thirty year experience in the junior exploration. He knows everything. He knows where the skeletons are buried. He knows every management team. He knows almost every project. And then you get into Andy Wallace, who knows every single project in Nevada and has probably drilled every single project, and we, he knows them. And then you have Norm Pitcher, who was the president of El Dorado. You know, Norm has what has been for me the, the great surprise of everything because his knowledge, his his demeanor is just amazing. And working with Norm has been probably one of the most pleasurable things in in my history of of, of junior mining. He had so much pragmatism and so much value to us. That board that we have has been one of the greatest tools um, or, or resources that I personally have access. So um, to answer your question directly. Yes, we are well equipped to do M and A activity based on the board, not based on me. It always makes me smile when I see boards like this and comments like yours. He knows what they know where the skeletons are buried, and he's probably tried. Yeah. This, the, the information I get after we finish <laughs> filming a lot of CEOs again it, just, it makes me smile because you know where the train wrecks are. You know which companies aren't going to work. They don't have the assets fundamentally, and it's just a promote play. You guys don't say a damn thing, and all these retail guys are sitting there staring and go, oh, my God, what do I look at? They all look great. They all say the same things, but you guys know. Well, I mean, I, I, as once again, I won't mention names, but there's been companies that have built hundreds of million dollar market caps, great, you know, great management that have done it, on projects we turned down five, six, seven years ago. And would I take them today? No, but it, you know, it is what it is. And they, I, I look, I, I give them all the kudos and all the great, uh, uh, I can't heap enough praise on them for actually doing what they wanted to do. And which is built a, a large market cap company, which has many advantages. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. They're able to actually buy credible assets. They're able to, there's not, my our strategy, my philosophy doesn't necessarily mean I'm right. I'm just it's just who we are. It's our knitting. I, I I'd love to go out and promote and get a five hundred million dollar company or a billion dollar company based on promotion. 
it's fine. There are some great people out there that do that. You know, we just, you know, we are trying to promote, we're trying to get the news out. That's why, you know, I like talking to people like yourself and there's only two or three that we're going to talk to um, just because we also don't want to associate ourselves with non-credible people. So that's how we approach things. Peter, love catching up with you. I loved it last time and I liked it this time. I appreciate <laughs> you, you making it. I know it's early in the morning um, for, you, for you there and you've got a busy day ahead of you. So appreciate that. Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on, okay? Thank you, Matt. Take care. Likewise. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.